We can't choose our parents. Born into a childhood of being raised by an abusive mother, today's guest found herself in therapy at the tender age of nine. This mum's unimaginable start in life became her drive to be the best. After obtaining two first-class degrees in translation and interpretation and law, she graduated top of her class and went on to have a 15-year career as an international mergers and acquisitions lawyer. The birth of her daughter revealed the parts that still needed to heal, leading our guest to discover the powerful missing key to today's business success and happy family. Join us as our guest reveals this vital ingredient for success and happiness we all need and have within us, which all too often remains dormant and undiscovered. Join me as I talk to Ange de Lumière. Welcome to the Empower podcast for mums in business. We are women building a business we love while making a home for the ones we love more than anything. I'm your host, Nicola Hewlin. Join me as I talk to seemingly ordinary women just like me and you as they share their extraordinary stories and inspirational advice to bounce back even stronger from challenging times and thrive in business, motherhood and life. So I am really excited to invite today's guest to the show, Ange de Lumière. Hi, Ange. Hello, Nicola. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for coming on as today's guest to share your bounce back story of bouncing back from challenging times of adversity. Let me hand straight over. What is the bounce back story that you'd like to share with our audience today? Well, first, I'd like to thank all the people who have come before me that I've listened to on your podcast because their stories were incredibly powerful, but particularly Caroline Swanson because she's helped me connect the dots in my story in a way that I, I hadn't been able to before. So I'm going to say it. I've never said it publicly, let alone privately. I was raised by a narcissistic mother. And that's my bounce back story that I'm going to share um, today. Amazing. And lovely that Caroline's episodes and stories have helped you as your story is going to help others as well. So that's incredible. And thank you for sharing. Tell us about this story and and thank you for, for coming on and sharing it today. It's quite emotional and I'm not going to get into the details of what she did to me because it's not the story. The story is more how it affected me. And how actually something good came out of it. And this is what I'm going to share today. So because I was raised by a mother who wasn't safe, um, I became a complete people pleaser. I also suffered from imposter syndrome. And my inner critic, I don't even call her a bitch. She's a troll. You know, like the the trolls you get on the internet because of this internalized voice um, that I have. So I keep on putting people on pedestals. I'm thinking I'm not as good as others. I keep on comparing myself to put myself down. That's what I've done almost my entire life. So this has had a positive impact in the sense that I always felt I had to prove myself. So I had to be the best. And I started early. So as soon as I went to uni, 
I didn't do just one degree. I did two degrees, wow. <laughs> translation and law. I didn't just do that. I was the first of my year. <laughs> and then after that, I went and joined the, you know, one of the biggest international law firms in Paris. Um, it was like I had to prove something to the world. And I do feel that there's a lot of high achievers who suffer from the same thing and who might have had the same story. They might not even recognize they were raised by a narcissistic, based, uh, narcissist, sorry, because it's their normal. And for me, it was my normal. And for years, I had no idea. I really had no idea. So I still, I went to therapy at the age of nine. So that's a bit of an indicator that mm. I wasn't a happy child. But what she said is that, well, retrospectively, because I went back to see her when I was 15 after a suicide attempt. And on my own um, account, of my own accord, I went to see her because I wanted to check with her. Um, when you say her, your mother? No, the, the therapist. Oh, the I therapist. To see. Yeah, not my mother. I didn't, she, she didn't even know. Nobody knew about the attempt. And it was a complete failure, just like everything else I thought in my life. So I didn't even mention good. it to anyone. We- <laughs> yeah, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So when, um, so there's two strands to this story. First, I went back to therapy before I had children because I wanted to make sure that I would never make them carry my baggage. Mm. And that was huge. So I started Goosebumps. even before I, I went, yeah, I had children. I went for years of therapy and I continued after that. And this is what set me on my course of self-development and reflection, reflective practice on everything that I do. I go very deep. Um, I have this doubt that creeps everywhere. So it kind of keeps me on toes well as, you know, because I'm so afraid to be like my mom. <laughs> She was so domineering and so uh, righteous and so judgmental that it's all the things I don't want to do. So she was a great teacher. You know, we learn um, with spirituality that your greatest teachers can be your, uh, the petty tyrant in your life. You know, I don't know who coined that expression. It might have been Marian Williamson, and I'm not sure. But she has been my greatest spiritual teacher for sure. Yeah, she's amazing. And so, oh, sorry, and, I was I was thinking of Marianne Williams. Yeah, they both are. Yeah, they both are. Styles. <laughs> yeah, very different styles. Um, so in 1990, actually, and that's completely out of the blue. One of my friends who was really into psychics dragged me to see um, a psychic in Boston. I was visiting her, and um, I was afraid to go because I thought I was going to die. I, I had this obsession with death. I was afraid I was going to die. I don't know why, but instead of that. The psychic said to me, because I was dating a guy from uni at that point, and he said to me, I hope you want to marry him because you will. And it kind of made me happy because we had sort of plans and everything. I didn't hear the warning in his voice because I had no idea that what was awaiting me, but it was another narcissistic relationship, basically. And it didn't come out until our first child was born. Up until then, he was absolutely charming. There were some signs that I should have picked up on, but I tend to give people credit, um, you know, like to their potential or whatever. I see the potential in people. In fact, one of my superpowers is to see people through the eyes of angel. And that's what's actually worked against me because there's so few people who reach their full potential. A lot of people just never actualize it. So anyway, that was the situation with my ex. He was a lawyer as well. So you can imagine that when it got really tricky, it was very difficult for me to think of a way out. And um, especially because I had a sort of breakdown after the 
the birth of our second child because it was a girl and I was afraid that I was going to hurt her the way my mother had hurt me. So I had to think of an exit strategy. And it's at that point, after I had my breakdown, I went to see a psychic of my own accord. I asked for a friend who had a recommendation. And this woman, this is actually my journey with psychic, psychics in general as helpers. But this is where it gets really interesting. Because, you know, I studied to be a lawyer. I was a mergers and acquisition lawyer and, you know, in a law firm, all that. So how did I come to become uh, an intuitive business strategist and what I call myself a spiritual lawyer? There's a bit the story, but there's also a story of bounce back behind it. So I went to see this lady and the very first thing she said when I sat in her office was, I know your mother abused you, but just try to remember that she was abused herself. Whatever she did to you, someone did to her. And it was like my therapist had never helped me. I'd never gone to the point with the talk therapy to understand that it was abuse because she was just asking me and letting me talk. But there was no, you know, when it's a serious abuse like that, you go blank. And actually one of the indicators was I had nearly no childhood memories. And that's usually a, a big, well, you know, it's a red flag for a lot of, of therapists. Um, so this psychic actually put the words to show me I wasn't crazy because for everyone else in the world, I had the perfect mother. If you ask any of my cousins, any of my childhood friends, she was the model mother. Everybody wanted to be her child. But as soon as the door was closed, it was hell. It wasn't as, hell, as much hell for my brother and sister. And it's not that I'm, it's not a competition, honestly, but it's because I was psychic and I didn't know it, but I could see through her. And she could not stand the way I looked at her because I knew there was something terribly wrong. And because of that, I became her black sheep. So um, she projected onto me her entire, well, I'm going to say crap. I don't know if it's allowed on, my, on your podcast. <laughs> yeah. That was literally <laughs> the recipient of all her stuff. Um, and it, it was just, it was nasty. Anyway, this clairvoyant helped me so much because she helped me take the first step to start separating myself from my mum and understanding as well that there was a context, you know, that it didn't come from nowhere. She had been abused and she was abusing me. So that liberated me. It really freed me. And I made the secret wish within myself that I never knew would happen one day to be able to help people that way one day, you know, to be able to support people who, who feel lost uh, in this intuitive way. And so in come 2000, I really needed to leave my marriage, my abusive marriage with my lawyer husband, which was particularly tricky. And I was offered a job in London, which was very, very exciting. So I pretended that it was going to be a fresh start for us, knowing all along that this was the way I was running. <laughs> this was my exit strategy. And it worked to a certain extent uh, in the sense that he allowed me to move with the kids and then he never found a job in London. And then I was able to, you know, um, divorce from him without getting nasty because in France back then you had to go to court anyway. There was no, um, no way to divorce without going to court. So I knew him being a lawyer that it could be really, really tricky, especially because I don't want to get too much into the detail. I don't want to defame him or anything, you know, defamation, but his mum was very keen on the kids and she would have loved to have custody of them. So that was, that was a bit my, my worry. Anyway, my first year in London was heaven. I lived alone with my children. 
I could go to the toilet without someone complaining that I took too long. I could eat whatever I wanted. I could take my kids to the park. It was just so, such happy moments. It was almost like heaven and hell, you know, because I, I was, I, I never had any of that. Oh, oh my God, I'm alone or whatever. Of course, it was a bit scary because I was on my own in London with no support system. And that psychic helped me to say, this is good for you. Go for it. So she helped me to ease the little bit of fear that I had with moving abroad with two kids under six and, and carving a new life for myself. And I like to say as a joke almost that I rebirthed myself through the Euro tunnel. And that's exactly how it <laughs> feels because, <laughs> because before I moved, I actually had three brushes with death in, in a span of four months. And that's also made me understand all to look, or most of them linked to my throat, which we know is when we don't express ourselves. And I had to, you know, I had to hide the fact that I was running away. I had to keep to myself on so many levels that my body was screaming. I never had these problems once I moved to the UK. So that was, that okay. was really, it showed me something really important. So from then I did two things. Well, I continued as a lawyer. I had a, a really good job. Then I moved out of London because I wanted my kids to have a house and everything. And then I thought after a while, I'd like to have another reading. These people back in France really, really helped me. I, I was curious. And that's when I had a big shock because the lady I went to see who was absolutely lovely told me I was a natural healer and I wasn't prepared to hear that at all. And I was like, well, how can I earn a living and feed my kids with that? I was still a lawyer. So anyway, I then reached a point where I had a 15, I had been with the same company because I was seconded from Paris to the UK and I could have a three month sabbatical. So I trained in Reiki, um, which I was interested in. And then I went back to the office and sadly my boss was on his way out. And I had my, probably one of my strongest intuitive hits back then I knew something was terribly wrong and he kept on saying everything's okay and everything, but actually he was given a golden handshake and before Christmas he was, he was gone. And the man who replaced him was one of my old bosses who was a narcissist as well. So all hell started to wow. break loose. And because I, I kept on attracting all these narcissists because I had the vibe in me. It's almost like they had a honing system to, to find me. You know, I've come across bosses, you know, starting with my mom, <laughs> ex-husband, doctors, teachers. Uh, I'm almost like, um, um, how do you say, like a detector. <laughs> um, so anyway, I've, I've cleared that vibe since. And that's why I'm so passionate about energy and about intuition. And this is how Caroline helped me to connect the dots. Is because, because I was raised by a narcissist, I completely squashed my intuition and a lot of people a lot of adults when they raise children raise them to believe what they say rather than what they feel that's something i completely change with my children i always tell them how i feel uh, even if it's not pretty I, I might not say everything that's going on but i didn't want to give them a mixed message where the words don't match the vibe and that's why most of us are disconnected from our intuition because we've been trained over so many years to believe people's words over their vibe. And that's where I'm so passionate about intuition. So this is something that I explored for the next 15 years. I never saw myself as intuitive, never saw myself as psychic until I, I studied psychics. I went to, to readings like maybe like 30, 50, just to, to see how they were working. I was fascinated. I just wanted to crack the mystery of intuition. 
And every time I went to see a psychic, they said, you should be doing what I do. You should be doing what I do. You should be. And I didn't want to. I really didn't want to. <laughs> Healing was already too much for me. You know, being a Reiki master, that was as far as I could go from being a lawyer and coming from a very rational family. My dad was a, a medical doctor. My mom was a nurse. You know, everybody else was an engineer or someone to do with the intellect. You know, studies were, were and, and, you know, degrees were praised and, and seek, sought, you know, intuition had no place in that but at the same time it was a way for me to re-empower myself and to own myself and to not have to split myself and you know only show one part of who I am I am intellectual and intuitive and my my big passion in life is that people can combine the two so that they can be the best version of themselves Imagine if a lawyer was intuitive, they would be able also to function for the highest good of everyone instead of just, you know, one case or their own interests. There's so many people who put their own interests in front, in, in front of their clients' interests. That's already something that, you know, I think should be corrected. But of course, from a client's perspective, imagine if you hired a lawyer that didn't have your best interest in, in mind, if you had intuition, you'd know right away. You wouldn't have that issue at all. So the whole of society would improve. And I suppose my passion is that I had to leave the corporate world to pursue the intuition and then come back and almost like put the pieces of me together that had been segregated because that's what society does. You're either intuitive or you're intellectual. You can't be both. You can't be a professional and be intuitive at the same time. So I had to do this like reinvention of myself and bring all the pieces together. And now I'm ready to help everyone do the same, to reclaim their intuition so they can be the magnificent beings that they are, that they can function as coaches, as, as lawyers, as accountants, as CEOs, as CFOs, whatever it is, wherever they are, they don't have to leave where they are. They can magnify the impact where, you know, where, wherever they are. I, can, I see I've been worked, I've worked with financial advisors, I've worked with lawyers, and I, 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 it's just such a pleasure to see them blossom and bring a bit of that universal energy and that spirituality, but in more in the, in a pure sense of the set of the word into whatever they do. So powerful. So powerful. I love that. And it's making me think of, um, I read a book called Embraining. I don't know if you've ever, and of course the title caught me because of empower. And I was like, Embraining. Oh, what's that all about? And this whole book really based on a lot of science, because you're right, that's what we want, isn't it? In this intellectual society, we want the science, we want the evidence, we want to see it. And um, there's a lot of science in there. It talks about the fact that we all have three brains and we have the brain in our head. We have our heart brain and we have our gut brain. And they found that the neurons we have in our head brain also exist in our heart and our stomach. And that's where we are able to draw knowing and wisdom through these different brains and process them differently. And I, I kind of think of, you know, when you, when you say intuition, it's that association of, of heart and gut and that kind of knowing that comes from somewhere else. Yeah. And I did your five day challenge, didn't I, on, on intuition. And do you remember when I asked the question, say, what, you know, what's your definition of, of intuition? You remember? Yes. And uh, share the sentence that you came up with, because I love it. And I think it just 
sums it up beautifully. Um, Yes, I think it was something like intuition is thinking without the the intellect. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, the heart is very important intuition. People who get into the, all the whole, you know, woo woo kind of scene, talk about the third eye and everything. For me, intuition comes through the heart. The heart is the portal to intuition. Mm, Absolutely. I love that. that. And, you know, I, I, started life as an academic too, you know, academia, all about the intellect and um, went into the the corporate world. And I can totally, totally see and empathize with what you're saying about how it all becomes about the brain. It all becomes about that knowledge and, and from the head. And I, um, I don't know if this resonates with you, but I think about three types of intelligence and I call it IQ, Um, which is the the whole intellect part, EQ, which thanks to, you know, there's a whole better understanding that probably started maybe 10 years ago about the power of EQ and emotional intelligence in the workplace. Like they're embracing that. But the third type, which I call AQ, which is all about AQ for authenticity, but in that spiritual sense to really, really, become aware and connect to who we really are and be able to live authentically from from all those parts of who we are so iq eq aq what's your view on sorry go on but for me uh, intuition is the highest form of intelligence Mm. so it sits on your intellect so of course the more you study the more you know and we all know that the more we know, the, the more we know, we know very little <laughs> because that's how, yeah. that's how knowledge works. The more we know, the more there's more to know. Um, but the, the, your, in, your intuition sits on that pool of knowledge as long as you keep an open mind. That's the, that's the critical part. If you have a closed mind, you can have all the knowledge in the world. Your intuition won't help you because you won't be open to receiving new ideas of things that challenge the knowledge that you have. So I know there's two kind of schools around intuition. Some people think it's actually from your knowledge and other people think it's something different. I think it's a bit of both, but there's a third aspect, which is to have an open mind and to be willing to release control, which is something I have found really, really challenging because um, my whole life was about control, <laughs> especially as a lawyer, you know, and you have a career. And what I find fascinating is as a lawyer, I could decide I was going to be the best and I just studied and I was the best. But with spirituality, you don't decide. The tests come from nowhere. You might be sent, you know, I was, I was, I drew a little sketch when, before I talked to you, because I wanted to show you that as a corporate lawyer, I'd go from A to B in a straight line. And you know how you see those little memes where you see A to B in a, like all those wiggles? That's your spiritual path. You have to go almost blind because it's going to build your faith and your trust starting with yourself. And, and you, you're being not tested, but trusted. So it's, it's, a whole, it's a whole new ball game, but the rewards are so amazing it's worth letting go of that control. It's worth letting go that you know everything. It's worth letting go that um, you're the only one who is responsible for your success, if that makes any sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that description of the, the squiggly journey. And explain to our audience, give us some examples of 
how intuition has helped you? Like if you had still been operating from, from just your head intelligence, you know, what, what kind of examples have you had or do you know about where intuition has, has made that so difference? I'm going to start from the beginning. Even when I was a lawyer, I would see the solution and then I'd do the research that would confirm that I was right. It was always like that, but I never saw that because I thought everybody did that. So I had this knowing I knew from the start what we were supposed to do. And, and I even had an experience with my first boss who was a narcissist <laughs> and I found the solution, but because I was a junior, I was a lawyer straight from university. He didn't believe me. So he said, no, this is the solution. And so I changed tack. And when we went to the client session, the clients very quickly revealed that my solution was the right solution. And of course, my boss blamed it on me and said, oh, she's a junior, you know, she made this up. And I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, this was the story of our relationship, but never mind, you know, I'm, I'm over that. But even from those very early days, I had the intuition and then I did the research and it confirmed what I had seen from the very start. So it's more like I could give you a thousand examples. I can't think of one in particular, but I, I would say probably it's through motherhood that it has enacted itself in the strongest way to start with. For example, well, with my first son, I knew from the start that he was different from other children, but I didn't know what it was. And it turned out he was autistic. Nobody had heard about autism in my family. And I hadn't, I, I didn't know at all what it was. And one day I was just looking into special needs, all sorts of things, trying to find a book that explained, you know, having a manual for my son. He was my first son as well. I didn't know what to do. And I came across this book written by a 10 year old boy, which was about the age my son was. And when I read the book, it was like ticking, you know, a, a checklist or it was like connecting the dots. I was like, this is what my son is. Um, and it was, but I had to fight the system three to four years to get there because they said no, because it was, um, because he was masking a lot. Uh, so he, his, in, his IQ was so high that he was able to copy other people to act normal very, very quickly. He learned to be um, socially, um, how do you say, apt, but that was from his intellect rather than from his emotional intelligence. And, and so that was, that was a huge win um, in the sense that if I had not had this intuition, I would not have pursued um, him being assessed for autism because I would have believed the expert that told me right away, she hadn't even seen my son. And she said, no, your son doesn't have autism. And I was like, how can you say that you haven't even seen him? And so that's, yeah, for my children, I have had this stronger sense of, and, and every mother is intuitive. So it's important. I want the audience to start to think, because I used to think there was like the chosen ones. And then there was the other ones. And I was part of the other ones who weren't gifted by the, you know, the intuition fairy at birth. This is not true. It's because we haven't been trained to use that intuition from a young age. And that's why I'm so passionate. I want intuition to be taught in school alongside with the curriculum so that, first of all, as you can see from our discussion, it would avoid a lot of people being abused because they would trust what they're in their body rather than trust what the other person was saying, mm. which is how people groom children, how, how pedophiles groom children. If they knew how to trust themselves, trust their body, trust what they feel in their gut, that would be so amazing, wouldn't it? Oh, it would. And, you know, 
I personally resonate with with what you're saying and that that story. Um, after my marriage ended in 2010, I I was vulnerable and um, attracted a narcissistic uh, relationship into my life. And you're, you know, these relate. You you said it earlier. These relationships do teach us so much. They become our our teachers not in a positive way, but, you know, there are lessons in there nonetheless. And those kinds of relationships that are so amazing to begin with, and they are often pillars of society. And like you said, with your mother, nobody on the outside would ever, ever imagine. That's why I don't, I don't even bother telling my cousins. Yeah. And it's in a way I've had to, well, there's one thing I wanted to add to my story, and I hope that's okay. Mm, I do. have been thriving like never before since I've decided on my birthday last year in November to divorce my mother. So I had cut links with her for two whole years, 10 years ago. But then my dad, who was then alive, kind of tried to get me back into the family. And, and I'm glad that he did, because this way I was able to see a little bit of him and I missed him very, very dearly, but I couldn't be in touch with him. I had to sacrifice my entire family not to be in touch with her. After two years, I got back in touch with her. But last year in March, I had a car accident uh, that was, I was the only one injured, but it, I was in excruciating pain for three to four months and it affected my, my, my business, uh, our finances. We were afraid to lose the house. So I reached out to my mom for help financially, which she did a little bit, but the abuse that came with it, it was just unspeakable. I can't even share what she did to me in the six months following the car accident, because it's something I don't even want to conceive intellectually. But in, it was a good thing. I can see it as a good thing because it was the final straw that helped me not to constantly go back to her because of course she's aging and I feel guilty for not being in touch with her. And I feel sorry for her. You know, even though she, she is a narcissist, she's still a human being. And I know where she comes from. And I've always had that compassion for her. But I was shown last year that when I need compassion from her, there is none. It, she's a complete void. And it reminded me, my sister trained in art therapy after she left um, home. And we had this conversation a lot about my mom because she helped me to realize what was going on and we helped each other to, to to stay sane you know because the problem is you can become insane from these kind of of relationships with your mother and she said very quickly after she studied um a year or two into her art therapy degree that my mother was beyond therapy she could not be helped and this accident last year helped to nail the coffin almost of our relationship it was the last nail where i was like like if she can do that to me after I've been through a car accident and I'm afraid of losing my house, then I really need to carve her out of my life, which I did. And even though I still feel a bit guilty about it, I know that this, I have been thriving ever so much since I've, I've, you know, I've left um, her world. Wow. What incredibly strong bounce back story. Yes. Yes. That was the bounce back that I was initially going to share with you, but you needed the whole context to mm. understand how this was, you know, the final bit of my success, not just um, as a mother, as a wife, but also as a business owner, because she was actually jinxing my success. Incredible. Yeah. What, what, would you, what would your advice be to anybody in the audience who is now 
asking themselves questions about their intuition. You know, am I intuitive? And well, how do I tap into my intuition? Or perhaps they're already aware, you know, those when you go with you, that trusting your gut and well, yeah. what, what if, you know, what if they're not hearing their intuition or what if they don't feel that connected? What would your advice be to people to, who are interested in, in exploring intuition and, and discovering their intuition more so it would be probably threefold first you are intuitive everybody is it's just not possible not to be intuitive second intuition is like a muscle you need to exercise it if you had never walked on your legs you would not be able to walk so you've got to start moving that toe (laughs) wiggling that (laughs) you know whatever it is in your legs and start building those muscles so that you can walk it's the same with intuition and the third is keep a diary because, and keep an open mind because some things will seem completely crazy, but you'll forget them. They're a bit like dreams, you know? If you don't capture them, you'll forget them. And it's the same with intuition. So I would recommend they keep an intuition diary where they just not jot down whatever they get, however crazy it sounds. Because there's also another level with intuition is that your intuition is going to use your own filters to give you the messages. So... You need to learn about symbols and what they mean to you. A circle, for example, can mean something completely different to you and to me. If you're just about to get married, a circle will probably remind you of an engagement ring or or a a wedding ring. Whereas for me, if I'm running business circles, then it's going to be about my business. And you can have an infinity. It can be a symbol of an open mouth. It can be a symbol of, you know, the Olympics rings, whatever it is you will have a different take on the symbol. And until you understand that the symbol needs to be interpreted within your own mythology, almost, (laughs) you know, your own filters, your own, the way you look at the world, then you might misinterpret your intuition because you don't understand it. So you need to learn as much about intuition as possible and also experiment as much as possible and understand that there's no right or wrong way because it's like a satellite navigation system once you switch your intuition on there's always a recalculating possible so you just need to move and act because Mm. intuition without acting on it is worthless i love that and intuition is so powerful and important i now having left the corporate world 16 17 years ago now incorporate a lot of intuition into the way that I work, you know, especially when I'm exploring my vision and strategy and then trusting the process and remaining agile for how that is supposed to be implemented. So I completely get its power. And I know you do a lot of work with people to explore their intuition and help them. And you also run a five-day challenge, which I've done and was amazing. So I'd love for you to just share, um, I th- as this is going to be released, this interview, it will be pre-September. I think you've got one coming up in September and you run them regularly. So just explain to our, our audience a little bit about what that challenge is about, because there may be people in the audience who are keen to kind of start wiggling that intuition big toe. <laughs> this is a great way to get started. Yeah. So the, the intuition challenge, it's more about making confident decisions with your intuition 
So we go almost uh, at the beginning on a treasure hunt to find out when we used our intuition and it was right or wrong. It doesn't actually matter because whether you get it right or wrong, it's always a lesson. Whether you act on it or not, it's a lesson as well. And I, I could share you uh, with you tons of stories about when I didn't follow my intuition. And I'm sure the audience will probably, you know, we could have like maybe a hashtag uh, bounce back uh, intuition disaster kind of thing because that's what people remember the most. It's when you make mistakes that you learn the most so we'll go on that little treasure hunt first because the biggest component of using your intuition is being confident about it and trusting it then we'll go into understanding how intuition works because it works different for everyone so we have i actually have a podcast episode called um the different shades of intuition on my podcast called is it okay to mention it yeah of course um, it's called high vibe monday with a hashtag in front of it and I've actually finished episode 88 and I decided to discontinue the podcast because I'm going to bring in a brand new podcast next year. But all oh, the episodes exciting. are there yeah. and there's, there's so much gold in it there. And, and so there is a whole episode about the shades of intuition, which is something we explore in the challenge because the more you understand how intuition works, like for some people, it's going to be images. For some people, they'll just have a knowing. It can be an impulse. I've had impulses to, for example, I'll give you a very short example. I don't know how much more time we have, but about three years ago, when I thought I knew everything about intuition, I'd even gone and trained in something called the Psychic Business Academy uh, because I knew I was meant to go back into corporate and I wanted to go to really be the top of my game. You know, this is the ambition in me coming back. You know, I can't just be an intuitive. I have to be the best. <laughs> Not that I think I am because then the imposter syndrome comes right beneath it, but... Anyway, I thought I'd done everything about intuition. And then in the summer, in August, this lady ran a challenge um, to do four videos in her group. And you could win a spot in her course about intuition. I wasn't interested at all in it because I thought, I don't need it. But I, was, I felt compelled to do the four videos. So I did. I was like, if I have to, I'll do it. Maybe someone needs to hear it. And I won. I won the spot in her, in her thing. And after I finished her course, I thought... Ah, actually it's added another dimension to my understanding about intuition because she talks a lot about intuitive intelligence and, um, and that sort of thing. So that's the power of intuition. Sometimes it's an impulse and the, the difficulty is to act on it because it will make you sound weird or irrational or, you know, how my whole life yeah. people have told me stop acting irrational or, you know, just calm down. Why are you doing this? Why are you worrying about this? But it's not the normal kind of worry. It's an intuitive worry. So you yeah. know it's going to happen. I, was, I knew Brexit would happen three years before it did. And nobody believed me. I was, I was ridiculed by everyone around me. And, I, and, and it wasn't coming from a place of fear because I didn't think about Brexit much until it happened. But I knew it was going to happen. And it did. So I wasn't actually surprised when it happened. I was very sad, but I wasn't surprised. There's that kind of intuition as well. You have to, intuition, I said intuition without action is nothing. It's more intuition and courage. And courage comes from the heart. So it's not surprising intuition comes through the heart. Mm. And you need to have the courage because courage comes from the French word, cœur, which is the heart. Wow, I love that. And the word that, that I'm hearing a lot is, is trust. You yeah. know, it takes courage to trust our intuition. You know, when you have that gut feeling, and I can relate to yeah. that, this relationship I was talking about, sometimes you kind of, it's that sensing or just having a hunch or just that kind of, yeah, kind of 
gut feeling that something's not quite right. But it's so easy not to trust that and then rationalize it away or override it yeah. through, our, I, through our head. I'd like to add something because I really admire Richard Branson and who doesn't. But I know almost for a fact that he's, um, is it dyslexia that he has? He's ADHD. ADHD helped mm. him tune into his intuition and, and stop getting drawn in by the facts and to help him make his decision in business. And I think he does, he does credit his intuition for a lot of his success. Yeah. Well, I'm going to put some... a caveat on that. I'm pretty, because my son uh, has ADHD and I'm, I'm pretty sure I saw him referenced as, as, a, as a role model. So I'm sorry, Richard, if you aren't, but that was the, that was the source when I was doing yeah. my research. I think it was a different one. When I read his, his, um, his um, uh, memoir, um, I just smiled because uh, there's even the, the, the bit about connect the dots mm. and all that. So it completely fit. In fact, um, I would love for him to preface my book, but that's for another Well, another there you day. go. Who knows? You know, Richard, one of his friends or a team might listen to this one day. I don't and know. Because I am writing, I have written a book about intuition for business. Amazing. Uh, and yeah, I'm really passionate about that. I'm oh, really, really passionate amazing. because I believe that entrepreneurs are here to make a change, mm -hmm. change society in a deep way and, you know, make the change that politicians can't because they don't have as much power in the sense of impacting the community with the money, but also with, with the work, with everything. So um, that's why I was shown after, after I signed up with, for the Psychic Business Academy, I was literally shown that I would go back into business mainstream corporate business and I was like I don't even know how this is going to happen and I felt this vision this intuition felt totally crazy I received it when I was in the shower after having paid for the first installment of that that training which was really really scary for me at that time but then in March this year three years later I had the confirmation that yes I was right all along but I had to hold this vision for this long until the right person was sent to me to open the door for me to get mm. back in corporate. And then like literally within weeks, I had my first lawyer as a client, not a lawyer, just a lawyer, a partner in a prestigious law firm sign up for a session. With Incredible. Me. Amazing. Yeah. Listen, we're going to put the link to your five day challenge in the show yes. notes for anybody who's Thank tuning in. Thank you so and, much and for that because yeah, I really want to, I want, I want everyone to tune into their intuition. I'm that passionate. I think it should be in business. I should be in school. It should be in every area, Med medical, you know, it, doctors. Imagine if doctors use their intuition. And I actually have a friend who combines both and she's just amazing. She's a medical doctor and an incredible intuitive. And I think that's the way of the future. Our kids are showing that as well. Yeah, amazing. I don't know if kids... I, right. I, so, I so believe that term, what you were saying about entrepreneurs, you know, entrepreneurs have such power. We might not feel like it when we're working from home, it's easy to feel isolated, but together the movement that we're creating to shape the business landscape, to yeah. uh, impact other people's lives, to the difference we make to society as a whole, we have such power to make a huge difference on so many if levels. If we want if we want. And look at you. You, you know, <laughs> when we first met in that group, you know, we met in a Facebook group and you said you wanted to empower a million women in business, mums in business, actually, mm -hmm. you said not women. I was like, oh my God, this woman is amazing. And how long have we known each other? Four years? And you're doing it. Oh, and I think that's just phenomenal. Do you know, it's funny, isn't it? 
because when that came to me, oh, you know, what, what am I here to empower one million mums in business? It goes back to what you were saying. It can sound crazy. Like people can go, oh yeah, yeah. well, how are you going to do that? I didn't have the how, and I didn't know. I just knew that's what I'm here to do. And so I trust that. Yeah. You're not going to be shown the happen. how. You yeah. have to follow yeah. the breadcrumbs. Yeah. And you have to show up. And sometimes you have to do the first step. Like I wasn't given a sign when I had to make that crazy investment in that psychic business academy that was like thousands of pounds, eight thousand, nine thousand altogether. And I didn't have the money either. So I had to use a credit card, which is something I had never done in my entire life. I wasn't shown a sign to say, it's gonna be okay, go on, sign. No, I signed up and after like within seconds, I had my first sign. And then I had that download in the shower where I saw I literally saw a limousine coming to pick me up. And taking me to the headquarters of a company. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> that sounds completely crazy. You know, you don't want to share it, these things. Yeah, with other and it's, it's trusting but that's why that. I, mm. I want to create that space where people feel safe to share those visions with people who understand and who are not going to bring them down or tell them that they're crazy or that it's insane or that who do you think you are having such a dream? Yeah, definitely. Ange, it's been such a pleasure talking with you, hearing your story and talking about intuition and the power of intuition. We've come to the end of our time together today, except for one last thing. We like to ask our guests to leave the audience with their bounce back challenge. So is there a question you would like to leave our audience to reflect on or a particular challenge um, you would like to set for them as part of a first step in their bounce back journey? Right. I'd like to set a challenge to your audience. And I want to ask them that if they get an idea, a random idea, uh, after listening to this podcast, I want them to act on it and share it with your hashtag. Oh, lovely. Even if it's a tiny step, like writing it down, I'm thinking of the first tiniest step. Love that. And the hashtag is bounce back stronger. So we yeah. want to hear, we want to hear what comes up for you after listening to this. Ange, thank you so, so much for today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. So it just remains for me to say to all our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much. I hope you've really enjoyed our conversation with Ange as much as I have and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode bye for now thank you for listening to the empower podcast for mums in business and thanks goes to our podcast series sponsors bounce life insurance to protect you your business and your family to get your free startup and business growth kickstart guide and to find out about our empower community go to empower.global